Welcome to Cover to Cover, a podcast featuring musical conversations about an album or song which has changed and enhanced someone's life. I am your host, songwriter Matt Tarka. Thanks for joining us today. We humans connect with the presence of music in our own unique way. As an artist, a concert goer, through our headphones, or as something that simply lives in our everyday background. Our guest today is one Jake Joyce. Jake is a singer-songwriter, guitarist, multi-instrumentalist, and aspiring producer currently living in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. As far as his recent creative endeavors go, he is currently preparing his first single titled Day's Light, which will be released on March the 5th. For our conversation today, we are going to be discussing the prolific Bob Dylan and his 1966 double LP, Blonde on Blonde. Blonde on Blonde followed 1965's Bringing It All Back Home, Highway 61 Revisited, and is Dylan's seventh studio album and one of the first double albums ever released. So without further ado, let's welcome our guest to the program. Jake Joyce, it is so great to have you on cover to cover here tonight. We are speaking the evening. It is uh, kind of a windy January day, I suppose. At least it was earlier today. How are you doing? Ah, I'm doing really good. I can uh, I can attest to the windiness of earlier today. I was outside. It was definitely windy. Uh, but other than that, I've been doing good. I'm uh, very well, trying to keep as busy as I can, uh, given uh, COVID and everything. And that's yeah, that's right. You've got a new single that's uh, that's coming up in just a little bit. Yes. What's it called? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's called Day's Light. Um, yeah. So. Just a, just a little, it's a tune I came up with a while ago, and it kind of sat around in the can for a while, and uh, um, the opportunity came up. My, my buddy, Lucas Guy now, um, who I recorded a, a four-song EP in 2018 with, with uh, the Jake Jewish Band, um, uh, I see him every once in a while. I'll be playing, I play um, some acoustic gigs at, um, at this uh, uh, place called Babes in Palmyra, and um I'll see Lucas there, and he he was just like, "Hey man, when are we doing? When are we gonna do another uh, another song or something?" And I was like, "Yeah, man, let's do it." So it just kind of just kind of came about uh, like that, and we had a good time making it. And so I'm I'm excited to uh, I'm excited to see it out there in the world. Yeah, that's cool, man. We're uh, friends. We're talking to Jake Joyce here on Cover to Cover, and we are going to be delving into the one and only Bob Dylan and his 1966 offering titled Blonde on Blonde. This, you know, some people, some Dylan fanatics might refer to this as the third part in a trilogy where it began with bringing it all back home into Highway 61. Both those records were cut in 1965. And this one came out um, again in 66. Um, What inspired you to choose this particular offering from Hibbing, Minnesota's finest mr bob dylan yes um yeah so i i think like like you said i think that uh comparison to like the trilogy or whatever is very apt and uh yeah and so i don't know there and there's also of course other tons of other great uh bob dylan music or other other records that i could have chosen even but but yeah blonde on blonde um just like was a huge kind of record for me when I first heard it and everything. And um and I think specifically it's just got something special about it. It amongst his his work as well as it like just overall music and, and such such. 
Um, so, yeah, I guess all of that kind of combined and probably loads of other stuff is is why I would have to choose that. It's just, it's just an all-time classic and it's all-time favorite of, of mine. Hey, you know, just kind of an aside here with this, uh, the single you have coming out relatively yeah. soon, Days Light. Um, it, it, does, does this song that you're planning to release relatively soon, is it in any way inspired by Blonde on Blonde or is it something completely separate that's part of the canon of songs that you have? Wow. Um, yeah, I mean, Sonically, maybe in a direct way, I, I wouldn't say that it's really any any specifically uh, something that I could compare or anything like that. But but um, yeah, I I don't know. I do feel to, I do feel very like influenced by by this record in specific, um, even just in like a general sense of sort of creative way or, or general like way that I conceptualize of my of things that I music that I create uh <laughs> kind of part of your vocabulary so to speak yeah maybe perhaps yeah although I don't know yeah. I don't know like you don't you probably wouldn't hear it and be like oh Bob Dylan or me I, I probably not <laughs> yeah but um yeah. Yeah, yeah you know it's all it's all mixed in there something like that we're talking with Jake Joyce here on cover to cover with Matt Tarka about blonde on blonde and um Jake I don't know how familiar you are with um, high fidelity, but ah, if you don't have it, that, 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 that <laughs> is perverse. <laughs> don't tell anybody you don't own fucking blonde on blonde. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's gonna be okay. <laughs> oh man, yeah, I'm glad I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, um, that's a great scene from that movie. Um. And you know, I was thinking of that when I, I've been, I've been, I've been kind of meditating on this record for the last while now, and just thinking about you know it and different stuff. And then I thought of that, and I, yeah, that's. Just, <laughs> but it's it's such a great record, and it, that you know it made its way into uh, that movie at least. So that's pretty cool. <laughs> we we have to talk about the players who are on this record now. There's a lot of. I believe some conjecture as to, you know, who actually, you know, performed on the record, who didn't. And there was um there there was a collection of players, but can you tell for you know, tell our listeners who exactly played on the you know, the final cut, so to speak. Or if you just want to talk about the players and in general that were responsible for helping craft these songs, that would be cool too. Yeah, so um besides Bob Dylan um, Al Cooper, you know, he, he really was working pretty directly with Bob Dylan, um, as far as like learning the songs and conveying that to the, to the, the rest of the session musicians, um, almost as what, like the musical coordinator or director or whatever, which I, I, I thought that was, um, I mean, that's pretty huge. It's pretty, so, um, big time. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, he's a, he's a big name. Um, Charlie McCoy was another one who who worked with a lot of uh, different artists um, who played a lot of uh, harmonica on this record. So I thought that was pretty cool, too. Absolutely. And there's some overlap with the band, I believe, too. Um, Yeah. I think they were part of some of the original sessions that were happening at Columbia Studios. But then Dylan kind of overhauled, you know, a good chunk of this record, but brought Robbie, as in Robbie Robertson, down with him to Nashville to play with these other session guys. It was kind of a 
a unique scenario in that way. He didn't feel like Dylan, that is, didn't feel necessarily like he was getting what he wanted out of that studio session and then changed. I believe there's one track that we might talk about later on that made the final cut with the band who was known as the Hawks at the time, but there were certainly almost two different records being constructed in the span of a year. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess the song you're talking about sooner, sooner or later, um, which I was like, so, so that, that song is literally from that session. Is that correct then? With, with the Hawks. That That is what, that is the one that, yeah, with with the Hawks. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Which is wild. I mean, but I I don't know. That's how like certain things happen and affect the overall outcome of a record. And I don't know. We're talking with Jake Joyce here on Cover to Cover with Matt Tarka about all things Bob Dylan and all things Blonde on Blonde. Uh, Jake, can you describe for our listeners how you discovered this record? Was it through uh, a relative or a friend, FM radio? Um, how did this record find your ears? Yeah, so I got Blonde on Blonde uh, in the CD format for a Christmas gift uh, from my from my dad and my mom. And um, so I was in high school. It probably was like 2012. Must have been 2012. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I had known, I had obviously been aware and like listened to pretty much like only like earlier Dylan at that time um, and knew it was important. And maybe I didn't really like get it or like fully see it until Blonde on Blonde that I got that record. And um, yeah, that was the first time. Do you think that Blonde on Blonde, so this is Dylan's seventh record, right? You, you know, you, you told mm-hmm. me that you told me that you've listened to, you know, a lot of his earlier catalog before mm-hmm. um, you started listening to Blonde on Blonde. When you got to Blonde on Blonde and all of your experiences with some of his earlier material from the earlier part of the 60s, do you think that you know, just in your own opinion, that this is a departure of sound? Or do you think that this is even something that he was kind of building towards with Al Cooper as kind of the, you know, another magician behind the scene? What do you think? I think, yeah, I I think he definitely, I mean, it worked. You you can see when you look at every, maybe everything from the beginning until this record, you, you you can look at it and be like, wow. Yeah, it really built up to that, and maybe you kind of look at this as like the, the crown jewel of all that, or like the centerpiece, perhaps, or something. But you know, you don't want to just like not discounting anything else. But um, so yeah, I think that's I think that's definitely a thing, and that 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 exists perhaps. And um, and also, I I think I would still say also like at the same time, it's just part of like this specific record has that charm because of those specific guys and the way it went down and how everything happened and the session in New York, they go down to Nashville then just the way that things happened and the certain personnel and everything came together to make this like magic, this magic recording that we mm-hmm. still, that we, that we have today. So I think it's a bit of both. We are talking with Jake Joyce here on cover to cover with Matt Tarka about blonde on blondes. Now, Blonde on Blonde is unique in the sense that this is one of the very first double LPs uh, that that exists, correct, in rock and roll history at this point. I think it might be one of the very first. That being said, we have a lot of tracks to choose from. Where do you want to start? 
Whoa. Yeah. Um, well, I don't know. I mean, we could start at the beginning. That's a very good place to start. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's go for it. Um, crap, you start the record off, Rainy Day Women, number 12 and 35, and I don't know, probably the first – like, I don't – I don't specifically remember, like, the first time my, my ears necessarily heard it. But, I mean, still, you know, it sounds like jubilant, like, weird circus music or something. Mm-hmm. And you're mm-hmm. like, okay, all right. And then, I mean, that kind of starts the record. Something you might hear at a New Orleans funeral procession. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and, of course, he, he, he wanted um, it to sound like a um, Salvation Army uh, band. And I, I don't know the gentleman's name that, I guess, performed the tuba. Maybe you do on that song. I don't. I can't think of them. Yeah, mm-hmm. I can't remember the guy's yeah. name. But um, they, he was just talking about how, like, the sessions, they would go, they would end up going pretty late into the night. And and they got to this point, and then I was like, yeah, I wanted to sound like whatever, Salvation, Salvation Army style, man. So uh-huh. <laughs> they, they called this guy up and, like, like two in the morning or one in the morning or something. And he's like, yeah, sure. I'll be over as soon as I can. He shows up in like a full suit and everything. Like they do the song and then he just leaves at like 4 a.m. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, that's, that's like, that's crazy. <laughs> it is crazy. <laughs> so, a kind of wacky song. Yeah. 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 Um, Following rainy day women, number 12 and number 35. Uh, but, my time. Yeah. Yeah. So, whew. These, all these songs rock, obviously. This one's a little more like starts rocking. You know, we got rainy day, and you're like, what is, what is going on? Touching my time. You got the blues guitar. Um, Robin Robertson playing, like, this hot, sizzling blues flicks. Uh, mm-hmm. Some other tunes on this track. Um, what do you yeah, think about the know. drum tone of Pledging My Time? Oh. You know, I was just, I was just listening, like, Couple, like an hour or so, two ago, I had the record on and put my headphones mm-hmm. on. And um, mm-hmm. a lot of times, I'm listening to this in the car. Yeah. Um, and I, I've had a I've had a stereo copy, just this old beat up copy of, of it on vinyl for I don't know five or six years or something, and put it on. And um, yeah. and yeah, the drum sound is like yeah, it was really cool. It was definitely in this particular version, it was panned off to the right. And I I did specifically think of it as like just I don't know, man, it was perfect. It's just laying it down, and it's like off there it was off there in my right ear and yeah. nice and like dry but definitely had a lot of like character to it and yeah it's just amazing like the recording that was done for this like ah, ah. <laughs> yeah so. yeah it's, it's like a really nice like thwack you know <laughs> yeah and the, the snare very sound right yeah right yeah a lot of definition in the symbols any yeah. lyrics that stand out for you in either of these uh these two early tracks or um we go straight to Visions of Johanna. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe that one. Yeah, I mean, okay. I, there's so many lyrics, but yeah, well, maybe, maybe we just muck on here to Visions of Johanna. I mean, that one's yeah. got, I don't know, that's so, so, so it's kind of the third song on the album, and it's maybe, it's um, one of his, you know, longer type, longer formats of songs. Mm-hmm. Um, a little more, a little more something going on than the first couple tracks. Yeah. yeah. It's a very beautiful ballad. I, I know that it was, uh, it always seemed to find its way into the uh, <laughs> the the ballad slot of the second set of many Grateful Dead shows in the nineties. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right. Uh, yeah, yeah. And I, I like I like our versions too. Yeah, yeah. It's, it, Al Cooper really shines in my 
in my book, there's a really like it's like loose yet like a militant sort of groove to it. I don't know how to explain it. Oh, I love that way. That was a good but way. It, yeah. But uh, you know, this is sort of where we're, we're sort of getting some hints as to how do I put this? Um, some dalliances in Dylan's life. He's mm. he's 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 calling some some women out by name. There's there's Mona Lisa, there's Louise, and this kind of ambiguous figure that's lurking, very, you know, <laughs> very much in the picture of Johanna. Um, ah. I don't know. What do you what, what do you think about many of these uh, these lyrical lines, like the ghost of electricity howls in the bones of her face? Yeah, it's amazing. It, it, it flows, yet there's like such a an economy of words, too. Yeah, know, which, and, um, which you, you don't really, you know, use that word to describe Dylan's lyrics, but yeah, you know, it's funny that you put it, you just put it that way because I was listening to XPN earlier and they, there was an interview with Kurt Vile talking about John Prine and I think the XPN person mentioned in a, his economy with the words. And, and yeah, you know what, I, 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 I don't know if I've really ever thought of, well, I word economy, I mean, I'm sure, <laughs> but it's funny for it to come up twice like that. But, but yeah, yeah, I mean, maybe you wouldn't think of Dylan specifically like that, but. Yeah, that that line, um, jewels and binoculars. Yeah, hangs in the head of a mule. mule. Oh, um, I mean, this whole song is just like, it's kind of like it just hits you over and over in that way with like many lines, mm-hmm. and by the end, it's kind of yeah, that's a that's a heavy one. <laughs> it is. I, I feel like the character is just he's sort of playing off these experiences that are that are right in front of his face, yet he's finding a way, and, and pardon the, the phrase here, you know, kind of staying socially distant from what's mm. happening. <laughs> yeah. You know? That's a good way to put it, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. One of the masterpieces of this album, for sure, I would say. Yeah. <laughs> the, the whole thing is, but, you know. <laughs> yeah. There's another, like, little line in here that, that, that caught my attention, you know, after listening to this. This song for probably the five thousandth time is you know, <laughs> yeah. referring to the primitive wallflower freezing, and I couldn't <laughs> I couldn't help but think of you know there's a, a a deep cut called wallflower and you have Jacob Dylan that kind of you know takes that yeah. takes that noun and and makes it his own. His oh own wow, music, you know, musical project. Wow, man, yeah, that's so cool. I didn't even connect that, but wow, yeah, that's another. <laughs> It's just a, it's just like a miniature, interesting textbook of, it's a beautifully written song. We are talking with Jake Joyce here on Cover to Cover with Matt Tarka about Blonde on Blonde. Um, following Visions of Johanna, we have Sooner or Later, mm. the carryover that we were referring to earlier from the Hawks collaborating with Dylan in the studio here. Beautiful grand piano on this track. What a... How does yeah. that song speak to you? Um, yeah, I mean, it's kind of kind of a song about um, about love, and it's it's a powerful song too. Like you mentioned with the with the grand piano sound on it, kind of driving the mm-hmm. same feel as as almost what he's singing about. And mm-hmm. I don't know, it's a it's a beautiful one. That didn't my, stand out part for sure, but yeah, my favorite is the pre-chorus in this entire song. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know what it is. It's there's a certain minor key that he hits, and it he just sort of like holds it like a. I think it's a fermata, and mm-hmm. then kicks into. But sooner or later, one of us must know. I just 
I, lo- I just uh, love like the holding of the word good for some reason after, uh, after just kind of, you know, just throwing out, you know, throwing out for everybody to hear. I, I, I didn't know that you were saying goodbye for good. I don't know. It's just, it, 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 yeah, exactly. Exactly. Just the way he holds that is just super cool. Yeah. Um, I would agree with that. And you can really, I, I mean, it, it, the sound of this record, like we've already mentioned, and we probably will again, is like, um, it's a great sound. And that's another, um, his voice really stands out. And if you listen on nice speakers or your headphones, it's, it's a clear voice. And, and it's, uh, it's just wonderful to like, just to hear his voice so clear. And at this, you know, I mean, this was years ago. Right, and you get to you get to hear that every time. So, following sooner or later, we have what was uh, I believe the third single off the record that was released back in June of '66, and that is "I Want You." Yeah, Classic. something like that. One of the one of what were the three singles? Now, "I Want You," "Rainy Day," and what, what? Uh, sooner or later. Oh, okay. All yeah. Right. Well, yeah, "I Want You" classic, like you said. Yep, definitely deserving of a single, I guess, off this record, but. That's not to say much because they're all fantastic songs, but um, yeah, it, it's a it's a it's a beautiful song. <laughs> the guitar playing is excellent. Um, I don't know anything else. What what else would you have to say about it? I mean, I, I'm not sure. It's it's uh it's an aching kind of love song. It's just beautiful and it's so it's like kind of plain, but it's but it's be- but it's real beautiful too. And, I, yeah. yeah, yeah, no, I, I, I love kind of the musical conversation between like these shuffling drums and I, I, I think it's Dylan's harmonica, but I'm not a hundred percent sure. I just, mm. I love just like just the interplay between those two in between verses and ah. just, and the, the guitar tone that Robbie seems to, to get, it's just like this really cool, um, I don't know. He's just kind of like picking through some chords. But he's mm. just kind of like, you know, kind of slipping in, you know, slipping in the cracks, so to speak, between oh yeah, organ and harmonica, which I just I personally really dig when guitarists can do that. Yeah, that is, um, yeah, it's a wonderful thing to hear, and the organ too, like you said. I, I don't know, it just lends a very, it's um, I don't know, it's one of the songs on this. There's a few songs on this record that kind of, to me, sound like have a similar kind of like like soft quality to them and maybe that's one of them that has this kind of soft it's very you know, sounds very soft to me and you have the the the, the organ and yeah it's just very pretty talking with jake joyce you should check yeah. out his music jakejoyceband.com i'll be dropping a link as mentioned earlier in the show notes and um Following I Want You off of 1966's Bob Dylan offering, we have Stuck Inside of Mobile with the Memphis Blues again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Excellent so, sequence. Whew. Yeah. Oh, man. So, yeah, I think – I just listened to the – I just had the, the vinyl record on upstairs, and I believe one of us was so – I want you – so now we're on, we're on the second side of the first, di- or of the first disc, mm-hmm. I believe, right? Yeah. Right. Well – um, great song. Um, uh, we, we were just mentioning like the the great guitar playing, but this one's got it again too. There's some beautiful, there's some beautiful guitar playing on this on this track, and um, 
And another one that's quite vivid imagery and, and lyrically as far as what's going on. And um, mm-hmm. a lot of lines I love in this song. I love the um, Ruthie says, come see her in her hunky-tonk lagoon. Love it. <laughs> this is a second mention, uh, interestingly enough, of the name Mona. We had Mona Lisa uh, in Visions yeah. of Johanna, and then we have Mona again trying to tell him, the narrator, to stay away from the train line. She said that all the railroad men just drink up your blood like wine. And I said, oh, I didn't know that. But then again, there's only one I met. And he just smoked my eyelids and punched my cigarette. Amazing. Amazing imagery. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It it really is amazing. Um, Yeah, I mean, I had this record on last night, hanging out with um, my brother and a friend and, and that one came up and you know, my buddy's like, I wonder if he, if he meant to switch those around, smoke my eyelid and punch my cigarette. <laughs> I, I'm believing it's intentional, but I, I, I love it either way. Or, um, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, great song. Another one that the dead did a lot too. And Absolutely. this one, I think yeah. I, I totally, as far as the dead goes, is slightly off track, but I think that I, this is a, Maybe I dig this maybe slightly better than the Vincent and Johanna cover, and nice. that the Dead performed. But great, yeah. great version that they did. This was this was in the uh, the scope of Bobby, from what I remember, with some kind of intermittent vocal uh, backing vocals from Jerry on many uh, of right. versions. That's yeah, right. yeah. And you know what? It's like man, you hear that with the Grateful Dead, and then I listen to the Dylan record, and I listen to his song. And then in my head, I hear Jerry singing that high harmony in the background. <laughs> yes. But there's no harmonies on this whole record. Right. Not a harmony. So right. Yeah. That's, that's an interesting thing. I might not have even remembered to bring that up or mention that, but there's no harmonies on this record. Yeah, which is kind of surprising because you have, you know, you brought Robbie down, Robbie Roberts right. down from New York to Memphis, prominent. Yep. You know, I mean, everybody in the band. To sing. Bang. Yeah, to <laughs> sing. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. I guess his uh, his his time would come later, but yes. Yeah, uh, right. This, this would have been an opportunity for some backing vocals. Could have done, if, yeah. If needed, yeah, yeah. He might have been hollering on rainy day. I'm, I'm sure everywhere. somebody was. <laughs> Probably. Probably. <laughs> After Memphis Blues, we have Leopard Skin Pillbox Hat. Twelve yeah. a twelve bar blues number. What do you think about yeah. this one, Jake? Yeah. Um yeah, this one it's it's like kind of a it's a humorous, it's got a humorous side to it, right? Mm-hmm. Um and there's some funniness to it and it's a, it'll make you chuckle and it's a blues twelve bar blues rocker, like you said. And I believe Dylan plays the, the intro solo. That guitar at the beginning is is him. Um uh-huh. So I love that, you know, he's, and he's got a distinct, got a distinct sound. And then Robbie Robertson tears it up. Um, yeah, I really love his playing on this, on this song too. You mentioned that there's like a lot of humor in this track. It, you know, there are a lot of commercials out there um, that show different things that balance, you know, that can balance on a mattress. Okay. And you know, that company's kind of, <laughs> you know, sell you that mattress. Every time I see a commercial like that, I think of a leopard skin pillbox hat, (laughs) you know, you know, balancing, you know, he talks about this hat, this hat 
balancing on a woman's head just like a mattress balances on a bottle of wine. Again, there's that sort of like, you know, reverse, you know, like to smoke my eyelids and punch my right. cigarette. Yeah, I just, yeah. For some reason, I think of a pillbox hat and a mattress and, I, and a bottle of wine, and I put all those three things together and brings me back to blonde on blonde every single doggone time. I, oh, my God. <laughs> every time I see one of these commercials, yeah. Wow, yeah, well, that'll make you think of it. That's what it, I guess like he just – I don't know. It's uh, yeah, it makes you laugh, and it's like one thing, like it's just this little, you know, Dylan line that he just kind of puts out there in the in the midst of all these like these like insane like legendary songs, this included. But then you got you know, it's kind of funny. So <laughs> absolutely. After a uh, leopard skin pillbox hat, we have a tune called "Just Like a Woman," and mm-hmm. man, oh man. I love Dylan's version. I also love Richie Havens' version. Yeah. Beautiful arpeggiated acoustic in both of those versions. Yeah. Um, what, what do you think about this track? This is just, it's its a beautiful ballad. Yes, a beautiful ballad. Um, it's another one of the ones that I, that I hear that to me sounds, well, you know, it's a ballad. Like you said, it's a softer song. It's one of a few of those on this record that are softer, and it's and and the the music and the way it was arranged and all put together and played is just like utterly perfect, you know, for mm-hmm. for this song. And it, yeah, it's beautiful. It's very mellow, gorgeous. It's yeah, it's mellow. It's gorgeous, and it's also um, l- lyrically, it just it, it brings about like tension. You know, sure. there's, yeah. there's, there, there's this sort of like tension or friction and, you know, like I can't help but think of, of the album cover blonde on blonde, almost I'm thinking about, you know, women in these weird situations where they're, they might be in, in some situations fighting for their lives and, oh. survi- and survival. And, you know, when you think about like some of those older boxing posters, you know, it's kind of mm. like, you know, mano y mano, I'm thinking blonde on blonde. Perhaps. Whoa! Wow, man, that is a cool. Yeah, it's a it's a weird. It might be a weird way of looking at the album cover. You know, some people might take it in a, you know, a, a, a different way. But that's I just keep thinking of these people in these compromising situations fighting yeah. each other. That's a darn good point. Yeah, I would only only you. the artist yeah. knows, but it's something to something to ponder. Sure. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot in here like that. That's um. It's like you mentioned earlier in Visions of Joanna, and there's different, maybe other examples of this within other songs on this record as well. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Well, well, following Just Like a Woman, we have what almost seems like a breaking point here. If you <laughs> think about it, like from a sequential, yeah. uh, a track sequential point of view, and that is most likely you go your way and I'll go mine. Yeah. It's, it's a rocker, man. It's a, yeah, it's a, it's a rocker. Tune. And it, um, yeah, like you said, it really, it is like sequential like that. And you can, you can piece it right together with the previous song and it goes right to that one. And, and it, yeah, I mean, it brings you along with the flow of the record and mm-hmm. it rocks out. Yep. Love that one. Nice, nice from that nice mellow song. Yeah. Like a breakup almost. <laughs> yeah. Like you said, yeah. We're, we're talking with Jake Joyce here on cover to cover about Bob Dylan's seventh offering, Blonde on Blonde. And after most likely you'll go your way and I'll go mine. We have a very interesting name for
for a song, and that's Temporary Like Achilles. Another kind of slower, sort of bluesier track, but um, let me get out of the way here, and I want to hear what you think about this song. Uh, Temporary Like Achilles, yeah, I would agree with you about the title there. Um, you know, it's not like, not a thing he says in the song, Achilles, I don't believe. No. no. Um, which, I mean, isn't too crazy, because, you know, you have some other songs like that where they have a unique title. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, a, it's another it's another slower one, like you pointed out. I love that about it. It's, um, it sounds like Sleepy to me. Sounds like yes. a sleepy little song, and uh, I don't know. It's it's that same thing. It's, it's to me, it's the same like sonic quality that you have with just like a woman and mm-hmm. a couple and um, what was it? and like I want you very soft and definitely like off-putting with the title. Like I, I, I that's one like and I listen to this in a car in my car for a while, and when I'm in the car, I'm not reading the. <laughs> to see what the song names are and everything. So there's a few that, you know, obviously after a while of even that, I knew the title, like, I want you, you know, just like yeah. a woman. But that's a song where I'll be driving, I'm like, oh, my gosh, I love this. I'm like, what is the name of this? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I Here's a random question for you, and this is about temporary like Achilles. I'm wondering if this is just melodically a companion piece to a song that was on Highway 61 revisited from 1965 and that is i think it's track three it was called initially phantom engineer but later it was changed to um uh it takes a lot to laugh it takes a train to cry oh yeah i see what you're saying um it's got that there's some similarities yeah yeah it's got that kind of laid back swing feel i wonder if this song was you know possibly left over from those sessions and it just made sense to to fit it into blonde on blonde more because Train to Cry just needed to, to be on its own. I don't know. Yeah. That's a good point, man. You know, like they definitely have that same kind of they that same kind of feel. This one's got a little uh well this one's got the nice this one's got the nice minor chord then it goes to in it. Uh, mm-hmm. it switches there too a little bit. But definitely similar. Wow, yeah. Who knows, man, what was left over? I wonder like I yeah. Like that, well, but... well, what was in the artist's mind? Why they made a decision to, you know, either split up a track or just, you know, just leave it off of a certain record where, I don't know, just tonally yeah. it may have made sense. Who knows? Yeah. It's, 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 nice, to, it's nice to have extra material, right? I'm sure. Yes. It, <laughs> yeah. It always is. <laughs> yeah. After, okay, so after temporary, um, excuse me, after temporary like Achilles, we have absolutely Sweet Marie. Yeah. What do you think about this song? Uh, this is another... I really like this song. It's another, like, upbeat, mm-hmm. rocking one. Um, another one with just, like, amazing amazing lyrics. Amazing, you know, it's Bob mm-hmm. Dylan we're talking about. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> the lyrics are amazing. The end of the song, I'm, I, I start thinking it fades out. To me, it sounds like like pre-Velvet Underground, Velvet Underground. Like, they just kind of vamp that out at the end. And Yes. So Velvet Underground's first record came out in 67. Right. Sure, they heard this. Perhaps. I'm, I don't know. Maybe maybe it's just uh, something I'm making up as well. But <laughs> I'm so glad you brought up the Velvet Underground. I, 
I want us to put a pin in that because I have a comment about the Velvet Underground in relation to this record a little bit later. Oh, um, all right. But, but before we do that, let's talk about fourth time around. We mm. slow th- we we slow things down just a hair here, and he's um you know lyrically he's a little bit more buttoned up. He's not calling out Madonna or Mona or <laughs> or Louise. He's you know he's not he's he's not given away the farm here as to the kind of pain and anguish that he might be experiencing from you know one of these women, whether it's a friend or a lover in his life. What do you I think? think? Yeah, um, it's got beautiful words. When I was so filled up my shoe and brought it to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you never wasted time. Um, There's a certain, like, Norwegian wood kind of quality to this. Oh, yeah. Right? You know, I that's know funny. They... I, was, I was reading some, like, where did I read that in? Um, something I was reading recently where they were talking about. Beatles stealing and nor- specifically Norwegian wood and that and that song. So maybe that's the case. <laughs> that they're I don't know. They kind of came out around the same time. Yeah. 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 Where they were listening to each other, they were probably hanging out at each other a little bit. I'm too. sure. Yeah. We are talking with musician Jake Joyce, musician, and I should also be more specific here: guitarist, songwriter, multi-instrumentalist. We're talking about all things Bob Dylan and his seventh offering, Blonde on Blonde. And uh, moving from fourth time around, we had a tune called Obviously Five Believers, which I think was a B-side on one of these singles. Um, it's, you know, we mentioned, you know, Train to Cry a little bit from Highway 61. Um, when I first heard the song, I'm thinking, wow, there's a there's a lot of uh, similarity here, Um Melody wise with Tombstone Blues. And oh, yeah. I heard a little bit of um Willie Cobb uh in You Don't Love Me that was uh, made famous by the Almond Brothers once upon a time. Mm. Especially in Al Cooper's um uh keyboard keyboard, uh organ phrasing. Um do you like the song? Is, Love it, it, man. is it a track you, you turn to? Yeah. Um yeah, I mean maybe obviously five you know what I always do I think um to me this this one is my favorite Robbie Robertson's work, um, all, all his licks on this one are just searing. So, yeah, that, as far as that, that's one I definitely would turn to on this record. Um, and, you know, it's like one of the rockers. And, yeah, like you said, kind of more like you could hear like maybe Tombstone Bluesy, like you said, or something pretty raw like that you might have heard on, on mm-hmm. Highway 61 or something like that. It's a great second to last song. <laughs> it really is. Yeah. Um, so following, obviously, Five Believers, don't snooze on that one, kids. We have sad, Sad-Eyed Lady of the Lowlands. And uh, just a couple minutes ago, we were talking about the Velvet Underground. I was wondering if you think some of the phrasings of this song influenced Lou Reed when he was writing uh, Velvet Underground and Nico. Wow. Um, well, yeah, it's so cool that you that you brought that up. Um I I don't know. I mean, they definitely Lou Reed. You could tell Drew was totally influenced by Bob Dylan. Um, their voices are have some similarities that you can hear and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. 
Um, yeah. I, I can't say that I thought of that specifically, but mm. probably has to be, right? Like, yeah. Rival, uh, you, you could say New York City hipsters at the time. Sure, yeah. You know? <laughs> I like that. Yeah. Very different yeah, very different scenes, but nevertheless, they were <laughs> competitors. For sure, yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, New York, New York City hipsters, yes. <laughs> That's funny, but yeah, man, totally. I mean, like, and then that that record comes out the next year, nineteen sixty seven. So, yeah, um, yeah, the vocal inflection. I, I love that, you know, about both of those guys and 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 that quality of singing that maybe you might encounter even in other people. That you know, it's a little, it's kind of off the beat. It's maybe mm-hmm. behind the beat or in front of the beat or somewhere. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not necessarily singing like that, that, that right on those lines, and it adds so much emotion to this kind of music and. And especially with the lyrics that you sing in this whole time. And mm-hmm. you put all that together and it's really, yeah. And maybe this song, it's so slow and long, mm-hmm. right? It's like 14 for, minutes long or something. At least, yeah. It is not for the faint of heart. If your no. attention span is three and a half minutes, this this one is just going to pass you by. Yeah. Yeah, it's not three and a half minutes. It's long. And as far as that, another another fun story I encountered was, how the the band didn't exactly know how long the song was going to go for, uh, I guess. And and from 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 what I've heard of Al Cooper speaking about it was that he, like they they kind of peaked in their you know dynamics, whatever six minutes in or something. Mm-hmm. And they're all they're all looking for Dylan, and he just kept singing another verse, another verse, and just kept going and kind of funny to me because it does just keeps going but man they it is beautiful there's like several crescendos kind of and yeah and then when they get to the end of the song it's a big crescendo and it's perfect and it's a really nice it's it's a great ending great ending song and long i love that <laughs> absolutely we're talking with jake joyce here on cover to cover with matt tarko all things bob dylan all things blonde on blonde and uh Jake, I'd like to close our conversation by talking about cover art. So we it's with the twenty first century, so much is digitized. There's still a resurgence there's this resurgence in vinyl. People still buy things on cassette, people still buy things on compact discs. So there no matter what medium you choose to listen to music, there is this prevailing thing that occurs and with every release, and that is cover art. And uh when you look at the front cover of this record, what kinds of images are conjured up in your mind, if anything? Or is this just a simple photograph of Dylan in the moment? Um, yeah, probably. Maybe if, if I would first see this, I'm just maybe looking at that picture. And it, you kind of just see, well, it's this kind of blurry picture of Dylan uh, looking maybe like he wants to go somewhere else. <laughs> or something like that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah, there's um, some cinder block wall kind of off yeah. to your right. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. It looks cold. He's got a scarf on and he's like, all right, let's do it. <laughs> he's got his hands in his pocket. Um, yeah. Let's get, it, let's get this over with. <laughs> yeah. It's a great picture. Um, and then maybe that, yeah, but, but after, of course, hearing it, knowing and like all these songs, then I just start thinking of different places in the songs and different, yeah, the different places of each song and the different things he 
mentions in them and and people and so forth and everything and you, know, you look at it and you're like wow that's yeah that's blonde on blonde <laughs> nice yeah i i was reading something about the jacket that he's wearing in this photograph and i'm pretty sure that he wore that same jacket for blonde on blonde uh john wesley harding that uh was cut in, for, in 67 uh-huh. and then the record after uh john wesley harding so this was uh wow Certainly, uh, certainly the go-to attire. Interesting. <laughs> when he was well, thinking about album covers, I would grab that coat. It worked. Grab that coat. <laughs> yep. Yep. I'm cold. <laughs> it looks cold, man. Yeah, that's funny. I, I did not know that. It's funny that you bring the coat up. So, I was, I, like I said earlier, I was, I was hanging out with my brother, and my and our buddy last night, and so I put the record on, and we were, you know, and we we started talking about it and Bob Dylan and everything, and he mentioned mm-hmm. that. He mentioned about the coat and that apparently that that coat is part of a, a whole suit or something that was like made up for like him and all of the Hawks. No kidding. Like, <laughs> like, like because the Hawks were still, they were still dressing as that unit at the or time. something yeah. like that. And that, yeah. that from some Canadian like tailor or something. Yeah. <laughs> How about knows, that? But, but yeah. it's funny that you brought the coat up and I, I never, I never heard anything about that or anything. Huh. And I didn't know what, what you said about it, you know, him wearing that on other records. But that's very interesting. Jake Joyce, it's been so fun hanging out with you. Thanks for coming on the yeah. program, talking about Blonde on Blonde. This thank really you for great. having me. Yeah, yeah. Thank you so much. It was it was quite a pleasure to talk to you about this. And I, I feel like, you know, I learned several things, too. I, like, I love discussing this with you, man. All right, my special thanks to Jake Joyce for taking some time to stop by today. For all of you listeners out there, thank you very much, and please remember to hit that subscribe button on that device in which you listen to your favorite podcasts, whether it's Apple, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Amazon, or wherever you dial into your favorite podcasts. Take a moment to tell your friends and even some of your family about our show. Let us know how much you like the show by giving us a good rating. That'll certainly help us appear higher in search results. And feel free to drop us a line at hello at cover to cover conversations.com intro and outro music of our podcast is produced by Jarrett Nicolay at mixtape studios in Northern Virginia. We hope you discovered some new music, perhaps rekindled your love for an old forgotten song and shared a good moment with us as we continue to sonically explore a world from cover to cover.